2020 Indian Premier League is almost upon us, but this is not the first time it will be held in the UAE. For two weeks, 20 games in 2014, the IPL took place across Dubai, Sharjah and Abu Dhabi. I'm Karthik Ayer. Welcome to ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike. And on this episode, Shamya Das Gupta, Osman Samiyudin, and I cast our eyes back to when Glenn Maxwell and Kings Eleven Punjab lit up T20 franchise cricket's largest league. See you on the other side. So we're just a few days away from the start of IPL 2020, a tournament we weren't sure whether it would take place or not a few months ago. And it is this time in the United Arab Emirates, where it was for 20 matches six years ago in 2014. It, of course, moved there in 2014 due to a clash with the Indian elections. And one third of the tournament was played in the Middle East. And this week on Stump Mike, we have with us a couple of gentlemen who were there in the UAE during IPL 2014. Welcome, Shamya. Hi there. Shamya, so you were there... On work with Wisden, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. And uh, and in fact, I, I roomed with ESPN Cricket Force Karthik Krishnaswamy. We shared a hotel. I didn't really know him before that. So that was fun as well. Ah, okay. So that's nice. Wisden and Cricket Force always have a bond. <laughs> Along with Shamya on this week's Stump Mike is Osman Samiyudin. Osman, again... I think you were based in the UAE at this time. Hi, yeah, yeah. I was there. I was working with the National at the time, uh, which is you know one of the main kind of English language newspapers out in the Gulf. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I was there, and I have, I, I think, uh, as as much as memory allows of T Twenty events, I think I have a fairly good memory of it, and I'm sure it'll be tested over the next fifteen or twenty minutes. <laughs> Before we get into IPL 2014, let's talk about IPL 2020. Now, this move to the UAE was expected due to the pandemic hitting the globe, in fact. But, uh, Shamya, notwithstanding all these other considerations, is it in and of itself an interesting enough move for, for you to see the IPL go to the UAE? Well, I think I think for, for uh, a, a, an Indian tournament, a tournament from the subcontinent, the UAE is always kind of the most sensible move logistically uh, you know there, there's a there's a board there that wants big ticket cricket they're very accommod- accommodating um it takes the travel away when the when the cricket is restricted to dubai abu dhabi and sharjah that that's a that's a big difference because that's one of the things that all all players complain about in india just the tremendous amount of traveling um i i, I where the pitches this time we're going to see 60 matches played in three grounds and um, that that's that's a bit of a worry uh, because you wonder what's going to happen at this time of the year. Osman, who's who's lived in the UAE, spent a lot of time there, would probably know a bit more than me. But uh, interesting. Well, I think it's it's the it's the only logical move for the for the IPL, and it has to probably happen from time to time for various reasons. Never before for for a pandemic. But but the uh, UAE always sort of makes sense. Not to forget all the expats from the subcontinent. They really fill the stadiums up. Osman, you of course, you are now based in England. And ask me how I know that. Because the first discussion we had before we came on air was about the weather. <laughs> Which is always the discussion. That's just like a 24-7 thing. that you, It's like waking up in the morning and brushing your teeth. It's, you have to talk about the weather at some point in the day. But it's lovely. Right now it's 29 degrees as we speak. Late summer, late summer heat. And you were mentioning there will be a difference from what we saw in the UAE in April 2014 to what the players are going to face right now. 
Yeah, I think so because you know when when they played in in April, so they finished. I think the the stint was that they finished before the end of April. So it was April thirtieth, I think, was the last game in twenty fourteen, and it was still pretty hot then, by the way. And Shamo, you'll remember, like I think you know it was mid thirties. I was just looking at like you know historical weather, as you you can check up these things online, of course. And I was looking at the historical weather stuff, and you know those days were like there were days. Although most of the games were afternoon games, like sort of late afternoon or whatever, uh, there were days when the temperature would would be like you know starting in thirty five degrees, thirty six degrees, and fairly humid as always in in the UAE. I think now uh, we're looking at what September. It, it's going to be it's going to be hotter for sure. I, I haven't looked at the weather over the last few days in the UAE, but you know we're, I, I'm sure there's going to be days where it's going to get up to forty degrees. It's going to be humid. I remember one of the one of the sort of peak summer games matches that has happened there was an Australia Pakistan series an ODI series in at the end of August uh, in 2012 and i remember mike hussey who is one of the fittest guys in sport uh, in in cricket he was standing on the, he was fielding on the boundary in one of the matches at sharjah i think or it was abu dhabi and he was exhausted like he was almost keeling over you know this is mike hussey who is like supremely fit so you know weather conditions are going to be really really tough like that heat even even in the evening uh, in months like september and october there's not actually that much relief um it gets better as you get towards the end of october and november and you know like november december are lovely months to be there because you know the temperatures is lovely all all day round but right now we're still in that time where it's going to be really really hot and i i, I dare say that's going to play a major role uh, in these matches as they go on. Like, if, if you're not fit, and there's a lot of cricketers who are coming off like a long time having not played, I'm thinking of somebody like Trent Bolt, who I think even spoke about it the other day. I think uh, acclimatizing to that weather, that's going to be a, a major part of the challenge for, for most teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's move back to 2014. Uh, Osman, we'll stick with you. You were there, you were working for the National. You said, what what was the mood back then? Because... It was not something that was unprecedented. The IPL, of course, had moved the entire edition of 2009 to South Africa. So it is something that the tournament had done before. But it is arguably the biggest T20 tournament in the world. It is moving for a couple of weeks to the United Arab Emirates. As as a fan there, how was how was the mood? You know, it was it, there was a lot of excitement. I mean, I'm not sure what the crowd situation is going to be like this time round because, again, I, I've noticed that you know the pandemic cases, number of cases have been kind of rising a little bit in Dubai and Abu Dhabi over the last few weeks. But back then, I, I just remember the excitement. So you know, there was a bit of uncertainty about whether it would happen in the UAE. I, I think South Africa was an option again, but the BCCI was in kind of a battle with CSA at that time. Sri Lanka was an option. But I think everyone in the UAE was fairly confident that ultimately, despite whatever sort of uh, whatever you know reservations the BCCI had once had about about the UAE as a venue, I think they were pretty sure that you know eventually they're going to come here. And I remember, in fact, uh, that uh, officials from the IPL had a meeting with uh, with with a number of kind of government organizations in Abu Dhabi, uh, the Abu Dhabi Sports Council. The organization that owned the, the the national because it was of course at that time a government newspaper, and you know they came and they laid out their plans uh, of how they were going to attract uh, audiences and like the first I think one of the first things that people who were in on that meeting, including you know journalists from the organization from the national, they came back and said like you know their plans are really smart. They basically the IPL wanted to make sure that the grounds were full. So for them, ticket pricing was not a big deal. They were like, you know, we'll 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 price it at a bare minimum. I think tickets went up from ten dirhams 
to 50 dirhams. Uh, I'm not sure what the rate is right now, but it's, you know, it's not a huge amount of money. If we're looking in dollars, that's about $3 upwards. Um, their main aim was that we want to get crowds in. Uh, and then so they went on this massive marketing campaign beforehand where I remember distinctly that the Sheikh Zayed Highway, which is the main road that kind of connects Abu Dhabi to Dubai and other Emirates, they had billboards placed as you as you drove into Dubai. They had like, you know, at least 10 or 15 billboards on either side of the highway, basically advertising, you know, the star power that was going to be in that tournament. So you had Shane Watson, you had Chris Gale, you had all the big name players up on these massive billboards, which, you know, you would never have seen otherwise in a place like the UAE. You, you see football billboards, of course, because that's a massive sport there. And, you know, there's a huge following, but not cricket as such, even though cricket is a pretty big sport there. You don't see this kind of mass advertising. And you went to all the big department stores, Lulu's and stuff, which is like a massive supermarket there. There was huge advertising inside those markets and tickets were being sold there. So it was a massive event. Like we, you knew that the IPL was on. It was one of the biggest events there. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think to this day, it remains the single sports event that has attracted the most crowds uh, over the course of a period of time, of course, to, to, to a stadium over there. So, you know, every single game, I think, was, was sold out. Uh, which, let alone cricket, I don't think it's happened for football that often over there, you know, um, which is the biggest sport there. So it was, it, it turned out to be unprecedented in terms of like, you know, the impact of, of a sporting event on the country. It was completely unprecedented. And, you know, it was just amazing. It was amazing covering it. Shamo was there, of, of course, and he would have seen some of this and felt some of this, I'm, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I, I was just going through my notes from then. And, and I see I have written down after a conversation with Sunil Gavaskar, who was who was the president of the of the of the BCCI temporarily at that time uh, after all the problems in 2013 when there was <laughs> what days they were yes and him and Sundar Raman uh, telling us in a, in a meeting that 19 of the 20 games were actually sold out and, and one game was not I think one of us had asked which game that was and they didn't know but but whatever that doesn't matter uh, yeah so so 19 of the games were full and that's incredible and plus Osman uh, you know I know you haven't come to India in a while I, I wonder if you ever have but uh, but you know there was a the, just the scale of the advertisements and the hoardings and uh, I just kept thinking everything is supersized in, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and everything was huge I, I don't think I've seen such hoardings and and so much you know faces yeah um, so big so big uh, wherever you look so in that sense, it did really gone out of their way to to blow the thing up, you know, the tournament up. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? what I mean, it, it was uh, the last trip that I made to India was actually for the 2016 World T20. And, you know, if you're looking at kind of the promotion on the sidelines of the game, of the game itself, then I, I think it matched it. And the most amazing thing, by the way, about the, the full houses is, is that, you know, the UAE, the way it works, of course, is the workers are there on work visas, right? So if you're not working, then you're not there with So for them to find time in the day to get down to a ground and, you know, somehow find an excuse from work, whether you take a holiday or whether, you know, whatever you do, for them to do that was pretty amazing because, you know, Pakistan have played there for years. The PSL has been held there as well. And while there, some some matches have attracted, like, full houses, mostly on the weekends, so you're looking at a Friday or a Saturday, very, very rarely would you have seen a game packed uh, on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. And the IPL managed this. And that, you know, if you consider the obstacles people have to overcome to get to these grounds, basically, you know, to kind of find an excuse to not be at work that day uh, and that and work being the only reason they're in that country in the first place, 
it was phenomenal. It was amazing. And, and I don't think the IPL were ever in any doubt, by the way, that that would be the case. Uh, hmm. Okay, so Shamia, you mentioned the 2013 season and, and we'll use that as a starting point because, of course, it was uh, a chaotic season. There was a lot of turmoil. There was, of course, the spot-fixing scandal that took place in the IPL. In a way, was it, was it a boon that the tournament was moved out of India even for a little bit? Well, we'll never know uh, in, in the sense that we wouldn't know, we'll never know what would have happened had it started in India. Um, the general elections were on. Um, in a sense, in India, that's 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 a huge party as well. Uh, you know, uh, the general election that goes on, the build up, the the event itself, the counting, all of it. So, uh, not to not to trivialize it, but I'm I'm just saying that, uh, you know, it would have perhaps overshadowed the IPL, which wouldn't have gone very well for the IPL if it had been in India. Um, so, because it wants that attention, it wants the space in the in the media, which which might not have been accorded it had it been in India. I don't know if it was a boon. Um, if the whole tournament had be, had taken place outside India and, and the attention had been less, perhaps, but that was not the case. I don't think, you know, I don't think uh, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have made an, uh, a difference one way or other, another. You know, there was the spot fixing scandal, of course. There were uh, there was a question mark over M Guruna, the CSK man. The, uh, you know, there was there was there were problems in the board itself because of that scandal. Uh, much else, the whole conflict of interest. I mean, what we're seeing in Indian cricket today is probably a fallout of what happened then. Uh, but but the IPL is such a huge tournament um, with with such tremendous fan following as we've been seeing year after year after year. I wonder if it would have really suffered in terms of its popularity. I don't think mm-hmm. the spot fixing scandal, big as it was, would have really affected the next edition. I, I think I think for better or for worse, I think cricket fans don't you know it's obviously a scar a blot at that moment all all the incidents we see and hear and so on but i don't think it's something cricket fans retain beyond the point it's not like you're going to stop watching cricket or stop watching your favorite player because last year something had gone wrong i and i don't know if that's good or bad i think also like there there had been like you know there was a critical critical mass that the ipl had built by then for it to kind of not overcome, but get through those situations. And, I, and like Shamo says, you know, that cricket fans, you know, they've been scarred so many times over that I think we're almost at that stage now where you don't think that every, I don't think, you know, they're all that cynical that every game, oh, every game must be fixed and every game with a dodgy result is fixed. But I think we're at that stage now where if it does happen, you move on. It happens, yes. And it's something that, you know, fans at least can do very little about. Except you just you just move on and you you're still in love with the game essentially, uh, you know un- until it's proven to you that every single game that you've ever watched and will ever watch is fixed, which is never going to happen. So <laughs> and, and, you, and you're looking at the subcontinent, Osman, where corruption is hardly a new thing or something you're not used to. Uh, people have far too many problems to deal with, and 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 you know cricket is that sort of bit of joy. That, uh, that, yeah, you know. Okay, so let's move on to the tournament in itself. Now, it was played, it was down from the previous year of nine to eight teams. And interestingly, Shamya, it's very similar to the eight teams that we have now. The only difference being the Delhi Daredevils are now the capitals. Yeah, that's 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 how it is, isn't it? Uh, that's how I like it also. You know, if it has to be an eight-team tournament, I, 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 I rather like the idea of relegation and promotion as, as all leagues should have. Otherwise, it's just these eight teams that are players we've been seeing and some teams haven't changed much at all and, and they look the same from 2008 
Uh, I, I'd like to see a couple more teams, but that obviously doesn't fit in. You can't have a franchisee-based tournament where a couple of teams don't play this year and come up next year and so on and so forth. That's obviously a stupid thing to say. But, uh, but the promotion relegation system and no playoffs. I mean, what is a league with playoffs? But, uh, you know, uh, that, that's, that's, that's been there. Not much has changed. Of course, a couple of teams came in. A couple of teams went out. Uh, a couple of teams came in again when these two teams were banned. And then they went out when these two teams were unbanned. So all those th- things have happened. But I really like the eight-team uh, uh, format uh, because, you know, sure, someone looking for a bit more money or maybe uh, it makes better business sense to have maybe 10, 12, 14 teams play. But I really don't see how the tournament can sustain itself if it became longer than two months. It's almost two months now, as it has been for a while now. And and really, that's the only way it can work. I mean, how much, how much more can you stretch it? I think this is a good format. It's a format that's worked. And over the years, I think all the teams have created a bit of an identity for themselves, the eight teams that are there now, not the teams that have sort of come and gone. Uh, these teams have an identity and um, they have their own fan following, of course, not in the UAE perhaps, but but in India, when the tournament takes place in India. And, um, you know, you, there are all these stories attached to these teams. Mumbai, slow starters, win more often than the others. CSK, now they're an old Adad's army team. Delhi Capitals and Kings Eleven Punjab, which never seem to be able to win the tournament. Rajasthan Royals, the good guys, the, the, the quiet, poor, low-spending people who, don't, who, are, who are like the neutrals' favorite, and so on and so forth. You know, there, there are these stories that have sort of taken shape around these teams and uh, there is yes a bit of a sameness to the to the to the tournament to every IPL match and every IPL season yes there are outstanding tournaments great finishes close finishes but I wonder if the two of you agree they sort of seem to seem to blur into each other I mean at that moment there's tremendous excitement I love watching an IPL game and the finishes but do I remember it after two three days no I probably don't but (laughs) But but that doesn't take away from from the entertainment value of it, and I think I I think the the current format is is a good one. The other thing is, if there are any Kochi Tuskers Kerala fans there who felt bad that Shamya just brushed past y'all, Shamya is available <laughs> at Shamya D on Twitter. Reach out to him right there. Okay. I think that that's kind of like the nature of the league, right? Of uh, the league format. I mean, you know, you, you people will watch the EPL and La Liga and Serie A and or the NBA and stuff, and you don't remember every game from it, right? And sometimes, you know, even the great, even the best games, you kind of watch, and three days later, you've forgotten. So, I, I, I think that's probably just part of being a league um, system. But I, I do feel sometimes that, and this is going to sound very odd, me saying it, I guess, but. I, I do feel like sometimes like the leagues like the IPL or the PSL or the CPL, they, they could benefit from expanding. And, you know, that's a central battle that cricket has to, I think, overcome, of course, between international cricket and domestic-based cricket. But uh, if you expand these leagues, you actually, I think, only end up enhancing the quality of these leagues and the product and the cricket itself. I, you know, we're, we're kind of digressing away from the, the point of this thing. But I think ultimately, you know, that, that is maybe what they need to do is expand these leagues uh, maybe at the cost of international cricket. Who knows? I mean, you know, I'm 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 old and I'm a fan of international cricket still, but maybe the future is in in league-based cricket. Uh, Oswan, you spoke about uh, logistically how well the tournament was done, and it was it was even Stevens across across the board. Each team played five games. Twenty games out of the sixty in total were played in the UAE. And Kings Eleven Punjab and Chennai Super Kings made the most of the conditions there with the 
Kings 11, of course, a perfect 5 out of 5. And uh, CSK won 4 out of 5. Their only defeat coming against the Kings. Uh, these two teams would have dominated probably the psyche of any cricket writer, journalist there at, at that moment in time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, that I, I remember, you know, we were saying just earlier how sometimes you forget some performances. But I, I remember, like, the, the country was just lit up by Glenn Maxwell uh, at, at Kings Eleven in that year. He had a couple of outstanding innings. There was one, I think you mentioned it in, in, in our discussion beforehand. There was a 90-something, a 95, I think. Um, uh, against against Chennai was it against Chennai? I think it was against. Yeah, Chennai. so, yeah, it was two for so he started he started the season with ninety five against CSK. He followed it up with eighty nine against RR, and then and ninety five against ninety five again against uh, against Hyderabad. I think I may have seen all three of those innings, and you know at that time, and he he still is by the way. Maxwell gets he 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 the people kind of miss out on his performances, but he's been like killing it in T Twenty cricket for for a while now, uh, and even in ODI cricket, uh, and so you know. At that time, I think there was like we were at that at the, at the cusp of like you know batting under batting undergoing this massive change. We were just in the middle of that kind of leap. AB de Villiers was was doing crazy things on the international circuit as well as the IPL. Uh, Chris Gale was still at, at his absolute peak at that time, and we and Maxwell came into the UAE and he really was at the forefront of what was possible. Um, you know, uh, in T20 cricket as, as a batsman. And I, I remember that more more vividly than I think anything else from that tournament. I, I remember Shah Rukh Khan turning up at a, at a game in Abu Dhabi at a KKR game, uh, which, you know, drove everyone crazy. And it was, a, it was an afternoon game. It was hot. And Abu Dhabi, the stadium is open. And we were, people were just sitting out in the sun. Uh, but they were crazy. They were going crazy because Shah Rukh was there. But, you know, other than that, I think my abiding memory of that time is is Maxwell just going absolutely bananas. And uh, it was just amazing watching him. And, you know, like I said, it, it came just at that time when batting was taking this great leap forward. Karthik, do you, Karthik, do you remember of the first two innings, 95 CSK and yeah. 89 RR? I, I think both were chases of around 200. Correct, correct. The first one was 205 that they had to chase down. 26 was the target. Yeah, I, I think I was there for at least two of those three games. Uh, the 95 against SRH was in the first innings. But but that really started the tournament off on a great note, you know the this this outstanding modern day T20 batsman, uh, if not 360 then 355 degree batsman who could was probably just below AB de Villiers and that that sort of uh, thing, uh, just just turning it on and going absolutely crazy and brilliant to watch. Yeah, but Shamia now uh, Maxwell is of course he's back at the Kings Eleven side after a stint at uh, Delhi. Uh, do you see something similar from him? Because th- th- there's there's been this narrative about him that he has probably never reached his potential. He's had a few games now in England, of course, to get back into form. I think he scored a good 50-plus score in, in one of the ODIs, if I'm not mistaken. How do you see him faring this time? It's, it's difficult to say. I don't think anyone, any of the top T20 batsmen have ever really been out of form. You know, uh, it, you give them 10 matches, they'll do well in 4 or 5 and not do well in 4 or 5. Uh, uh, typically, I mean, I, I might be wrong. Some uh, a stats guy might prove me wrong, but that's the way I see it. You know, you you field Glenn Maxwell in the top four. Uh, uh, you give him a chance, and and I would I would never leave a Glenn Maxwell out of my eleven. I, I, whether it's a place he's done well in in the past, like in the UAE uh, or, or anywhere else, because he can always change the game. You know, he's he's one of those. Well, nowadays it's an increasing number of players who can do that. But he's one of those players who can totally change the game. But I, I think Osman will agree that some players, um, 
football players perhaps have their favorite grounds you know they they have these grounds where they go and they feel better about themselves uh you know uh, because they've just done well there more than once each time they walked out i'm i'm from calcutta i think of mohammad azruddin or rohit sharma in calcutta and and they just always seem to do well there so maybe there is something to it and if there is something to it you'd expect kings 11 to make the most of it yeah and i i guess actually one of the main things about this year will be what the surfaces are like right uh I, that last tournament there were a couple of high scoring games in the uae but there were also i seem to remember there was a lot of discussion and actually the scores i'm just going through the scores now you know there was there was a lot of like 145 chases uh mumbai got 115 in one of the games um there was a, there was a sub 100 score in there as well i remember some um i think it was it yeah in fact rcb were bowled out for 70 against um against the rajasthan royals in one of the games i i think the the, the nature of the pitches there is going to play some kind of part you know those were only what uh, karthik 20 games that season that's right that's right spread across three venues spread across three venues how do you think it'll go 60 games in three venues you know whatever the pitches start off like they're going to get worn right by the end of it because that's a lot of games so yeah and and generally you know people people kind of uh, put all the pitches into one bag in the uae and the, all of them are slow and low and they're not really like you get variances in sharja in dubai and in abu dhabi it depends on the time of day you play sometimes um but i think ultimately like over that long a period as we see in the psl as we've seen in the psl you know until this year the psl was played every year the majority if not all of it in the uae and as we saw there the psl eventually developed into a strong bowling league probably one of the strongest bowling leagues uh, out there you know in which which bowlers did well and in which 160 170 160 even is a good score uh and that happened with fewer matches at a different time of the year you know they played february march over there uh, so different weather conditions you know the, the rain affected matches as well in february march in in the psl but i just think that 60 games uh, and they've had some by the way uh, at least two of the grounds uh, sharja and abu dhabi they've had some you know head groundsmen who've been there for a long time now mohan at at abu dhabi and jamil khan i think at sharja they've been there for a long long time um but ultimately like 60 games over three rounds you're going to i think the scores will probably you know if if they start off well i think gradually the scores are start are are, are going to start to get lower and lower and i think spin will play a big role uh, and i think bowling ascent uh, bowling will basically be uh, something that a lot of teams will have to kind of you know be be sure about their their bowling resources and i think you know a, a good bowling side as it always does actually you know good bowling sides do always do well at the IPL but i think this year more than any more than previous years perhaps uh it it will come down to the bowling as much as anything else i i think you know not not knowing what the surfaces are like right now a few days out not knowing what they're like but i think if we go by what what we've seen in the past it it will be important spin bowling specifically i guess yeah yeah spin bowling specifically but i mean you know seamers also play a role uh uh you know in the in the past in the psl at least we've had guys like hasan ali who've been important wahab riaz has been important uh in the death overs and stuff they do but yes uh, spinners if we have if if a team has a good spin attack then i think they'd be looking forward to kind of you know the next the next month and a half two months or whatever mm-hmm. and in now back in 2014 going back to the other biggest story along with glen maxwell shamia was mumbai indians they were the defending champions but they came back from uae back to india having lost all five out of their five games yeah it was it was interesting to watch um, you know I, i think what happens is is you know obviously when it's an ipl 
and and you can't just tweak your team or buy every player you want just before the tournament based on where it's moving. I, I think what happens is that you know your 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 team is built based on the conditions, primarily on the conditions in your home stadium, uh, which for Mumbai would have been Wankhede. But around that period, if I remember right, if my if my memory is perfectly right, um, I, I think Mumbai had made a bit of a name for themselves for being slow starters in the. 2012, 13, 14, 15 type of period. Not that they kept winning, though. Yeah, I mean, they won the tournament many times, though. But uh, but they had that bit of a reputation around then of being slow starters. Uh, but, but they, you know, went on to reach the playoffs, and that was fantastic. You know, Mumbai lost all five, and Kings XI Punjab won all five, but they both actually made the playoffs eventually. So, uh, you know, uh, and KKR, again, were kind of in Mumbai's boat in the sense that they, I think, I think seven... Seven uh, matches, they won just two, was it? Correct. They In the UAE itself, they only won two out of five. And then they lost two more after coming back to India. And then they, I think, won seven, eight, nine or whatever and went on to win the tournament. So these things are, these things are great, mm. great fun, fun tales when you, when you look at the way a tournament plays out. I mean, you lose all five and then you crash out in the group stage, end of story. But then you actually recover and, and go on to do that well. That's 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 brilliant. But you asked me specifically about Mumbai Karthik, and, and I think the slow starters thing kind of worked very well for them. They they they've had a very settled team over very very long. I mean, even uh, I guess even like Kings Eleven, they did so well, right? The, the, those five wins that they started off with, and they ended the season with I'm just looking now with an eleven three record, like the regular season before they went off. So I mean, you know, they they had an amazing season, but. Ultimately, somebody like KKR, who you know had not started off brilliantly, two out of five, managed to go on and win it. I, I, you know, that's the kind of the beauty of the format as well, and also a beauty of the league format. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, but then final cues on your UA experience, particularly in 2014, watching the IPL. Osman, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, I think I know the answer to this: the standout perfor- performance or performer in that edition of the IPL. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely Maxwell. Uh, and I, I do remember as a journalist, it was an intense two weeks, you know, because and that and that's actually the the draining kind of nature of the of the of the league. And I don't think now, even maybe last year, I don't think Shamo, correct me if I'm wrong, no one journalist would cover the entire tournament, right? Uh, because it just happens in so many different places. So you know, we we pretty much did. I remember that year, we pretty much did all three venues, uh, when wherever we could throughout the two weeks, and it was draining. But, you know, we'd never seen anything like it in the UAE in terms of crowds and stuff. I, you know, I'd been lucky enough to cover matches, of course, away from, you know, those venues. But uh, inside the UAE, we had never seen any sports event. Forget cricket. We'd never seen any sports event that attracted that massive a crowd and that created that kind of buzz uh, and atmosphere within the country. So it was a phenomenal experience. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, the crowds might not be there this time around, but uh, it, it will still be... Uh, an event to behold, for sure, you know, uh, as a broadcast experience. Okay, Shamia, I'm going to put you on a spot here. We know your love for and of the Eden Gardens. Okay, you've watched T20 cricket at the Eden Gardens. Compare that to an in-stadia experience that you had in the United Arab Emirates. I've actually never watched a T20 game at Eden Gardens. Uh, oh. No, I oh. haven't actually. Well, I don't know what that says about me, but I haven't. Um, uh, the, the UAE was fantastic, like Osman said, you know. Um, none of us, I, I don't know if anyone actually covers 
that many games in a season. Uh, some regional newspapers, say, say for example, a Bengali newspaper might depute one person to cover all Kolkata Knight Riders game and that might run into, say, 15 games or whatever over the course of two months. But uh, Osman mentioned uh, what, what it was like for him based in the in Abu Dhabi, uh, in the UAE for, for an Abu Dhabi-based paper. I was covering it on behalf of Wisden India and, and the only reporter there, of course. I couldn't go to all 20 matches. That was not possible. But I did cover, I think, 14 or 15 of them. And, and it was heady. It was wonderful because it was this sort of daily buzz, you know, uh, as opposed to watching a game and then switching off and waiting for your turn after maybe 10, 15 games to catch up and go for a game. Here, here you were sort of clued in all the time. You were sort of tuned in and and that was that was fun actually i didn't i actually didn't expect it to be as much fun as it was osman a word from you on t20 cricket in the region so of course we've had the psl there for a few years but now the previous tournament almost in its entire in its entirety i think was was in pakistan we have a t10 league that happens in abu dhabi we're going to have the ipl this year what does this mean how does this board for uh, limited overs cricket in in the uae well, I mean, they're very keen to, you know, they, they've been uh, pushing for the IPL to happen there. I think they've spotted an opportunity in this pandemic, you know, from, from the very start. They've offered to host England's matches here. You know, there's, there's, there's talk, at least from some quarters, that the England-India series might be in the UAE as well. And that, you know, that's only talk right now because it's still far away. But they, they've been very keen to kind of push themselves as the venue of choice for these kind of events. So, you know, they've, had, they've held World T20 qualifiers in the past. They're an ideal location for that. Um, and, and they've done well out of it. You know, they've had... Uh, so, they used to have, of course, the PSL. You know, Pakistan set up uh, that there. But since then, they've had the T10. They've had that very short-lived Masters Champions League. They had another couple of ventures in the works which didn't quite pull through then. But, you know, who knows? Two, three years down the line, they will. One was an Emirates League. I think the Afghan Premier League played its first season there as well. Um, so, you know, I think they've built themselves as a destination, mainly for T20 and white ball, other white ball cricket, but also generally for international cricket right now in this pandemic. I think they've built themselves up and pushed themselves as a very, very viable um, location. You know, their, their stadiums help. It, it's not the stadiums are kind of far away from the city. Um, crowds are not a huge problem for the from a biosecurity angle for them at the best of times. Uh, but the facilities are world-class. You know, all the stadiums, are, I think Sharjah has gone, uh, uh, undergone. Sharjah was probably lagging the most, actually, you know, from its heyday to what it had become now. But I think that they've, they've gone some certain upgrades and renovations there as well. So I, I think it's, it's ideally placed to kind of pick off, you know, leagues that can't happen somewhere for some reason. They can go there. Tournaments. I know that uh, ICC was considering the UAE as a venue for the qualifier tournaments for the Women's World Cup if it had gone through. You know, it was supposed to be in Lanka in July. And if it had gone ahead, they were considering the UAE because that was kind of the easiest, they thought, you know, the easiest place to put together something like this. So I think that reputation now is certainly there. And, it, and it's come back from its, like, you know, from, from its Sharjah heydays in the mid-80s and, uh, and 90s. I think it's now come back to being basically a kind of uh, your first choice destination outside of your own place, whatever the circumstances are, uh, compelling it. But I think it's come to be your first choice 
destination um, for a lot of teams around the world. And if uh, 2014 is anything to go by, uh, the match quality in the Indian Premier League should be pretty good in the UAE as well. Shamia, I don't know if you remember, but there are a couple of games that stand out for me. The the KKR, two games of KKR. One was against the Royal Challengers Bangalore, where RCB fluffed their chase, and the other one, which was a super over versus Rajasthan Royals, where like the 2019 World Cup, the super over was tied as well, and RR won on boundary count. Yeah, I actually remember the second one more. because rajas uh, because royal challengers bangalore fluffing their chase has happened so many times i don't remember which is it but uh, but uh, yeah rajasthan versus kolkata certainly because i, I was just thinking about it the other last year in fact that uh, it it actually ended in rajasthan's favor after a super over on boundary count back and and i didn't know about it at the time i pro- obviously i'm lazy and didn't read the rules carefully enough but kolkata actually lost on the boundary count back which is how england of course became world champions last year in in, in odis but um, yeah yeah there's certainly some great matches but again you know i'll tell you i know i'm repeating myself but i need to say this it was a composite thing you know 20 awesome fun matches great entertainment i don't know about individual parts within it except maybe one or two things glen maxwell yes mumbai losing five games kxip winning five games that kolkata rajasthan uh, super over which was an excellent match actually it was really really good game shamia if there's one thing i'll never call you it is lazy you just said that you have your notes from the <laughs> 2015 ipl in the uae i don't have my notes from the last podcast we did last week <laughs> just old so, fashioned Yeah, Osman. I'll leave the final word with you. How excited are you for the IPL to take place in the UAE? Whether we have crowds or not, I, I, I'd be happier if I was there in the UAE, enjoying some of that weather all year round. But no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we've we've been starved of starved of cricket uh, this year completely, and I think it'd be. I, I think this because you know it's the only cricket on for a while, uh, other than maybe a Bangladesh Sri Lanka series. But I think it it might become more memorable. uh and might stick in the memory is what i mean actually far longer than than other tournaments just because of the circumstances in which it's being played listener this is the first of many 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 stump five podcasts we're going to have throughout ipl 2020 osman and shamia thank you so much for joining us for this look back of the 2014 edition when the ipl last went to the uae thanks thanks so much for having me thanks